Hi, I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Sales is Easy podcast. I audaciously claim that sales is easy if you just know how and I am here to show you how. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking all things sales, getting more leads, following up, closing the sale down, upselling, downselling. I'm going to be chatting to people about their business and how they do sales, different strategies and different opinions. So let's get started and let's get selling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sales is Easy podcast. I am super excited today because I've got Nick Feeney on the show. Nick, I've got to tell you, you're only the third ever male to come on this podcast. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. And uh, what a privilege. What a uh, privilege. And I hope I can offer something insightful to make it worthwhile having me on. Fingers crossed. I was reading (laughs) your bio before you came on and you describe yourself as not your average guy, which I absolutely love. Talk to me a bit more about that. Do you know that that came about from a number of things that I do in general around just my general self-care routines and bits and pieces. But when you look at average numbers and the data around the average person's health, life expectancy, health span, things like that, think goodness me these aren't great readings here and i'm all about you know just raising your baseline slightly so that you can get away from being average but because i've been doing this for quite a few years now my baseline should be say fairly high and i just do some mad stuff and uh and i just hope that it impacts my life in a fruitful way makes me a better man helps me live better helps me age better uh, but also, you know, better husband, better dad, all those bits and pieces as well. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. I don't want to be average because average is not great reading. And I talk about this in sales as well. You know, I'm trying to get in the top 2% of salespeople. Like, I do not want to be average. Average is not what I'm aiming for. So it really stood out for me. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But before we do, just tell me, like, how did you get into coaching and everything that you do now? Okay, honestly, I just fell into it. And, and that is genuine. It, do you know what? Pretty much every one of my careers, every one of my businesses, I, I sort of fell into it bar one, where I really grew up always wanting to get into property. But everything else just happened because of something else that was happening in life and things. And the same with coaching. How it originally started is I've always, if I know something that can help you, I want to share it with you. You can have it. And having owned many, many businesses, I found myself being sought out for some business advice and coaching on, on what to do in certain situations and things. And I gave it freely. Then I started thinking, hang on, this person's taking me out for too many coffees here. I'm going to have to start charging. But one thing I really, really noticed was Actually, most of the people were trying to build businesses at the cost of themselves and their relationships. And the only reason I managed to notice that is because I used to be that guy. I literally was trying to chase my dreams and build the businesses that I wanted so I could have the nice things in life. And I, I was doing it at the expense of my health and my relationships, etc. So it was through my own journey of 
using a therapist, then going into and having a coach and then seeing what they did for me, how they did it, then actually applying some of those techniques to my wife's community, I actually really started enjoying it. And it was a women in a community that were saying, what about the men? And that's how I started being more specific and aiming at the men and, and doing more of what I do. And was it always linked to health as well? I suppose, no, most of it was, it, it really was business focused. Even when, when I did the original coaching with my wife's community, This Girl Was On Fire, it was about coaching the women in business. We had an e-commerce marketplace and we would always help with elements of whatever bits of business they were struggling with. Could be sales, could be marketing, could be compliance, all those sorts of things. And, and we'd do coaching. But I'll be honest, I, I enjoyed it, but it's now when I started working a lot more closely and one-on-one -on -one with individuals and seeing not only what they needed, but what I enjoyed coaching on. And it was through doing that that I sort of honed what I wanted to do. And, and basically, it was me, but a few steps behind. And it actually then makes it so much easier to talk about what you do and how you do it. My audience know this about me, but I am the least sporty person you will ever talk to. I didn't used to own trainers to work out in or run in or any of the things and basically just had a bit of a early midlife crisis, if you like, the beginning of 2019. And I decided that I was going to learn how to run I couldn't run. I didn't own any trainers, but I went out and I bought some and I, I ran my first day. I ran for two and a half minutes and I was like an out of breath, sweaty mess. And my husband's an ex-professional ice hockey player. So he was like, Charlie, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you like this after two and a half minutes of running? And I was like, this is all I can run for. And I did it for seven days. I ran every single day for seven days for two and a half minutes. And it was the same. And after seven days, something magical happened. When I ran for two and a half minutes, I didn't feel like I wanted to die at the end of two and a half minutes. So I kept going and I ran for five minutes before I wanted to die. And I was like, wow, what growth, like one week of running and I've already doubled my time. What would happen if I did it for six weeks, six months, a year? And so my running journey started and six weeks later, I did my first ever park run and now I've ran the London Marathon, London Parks Half Marathon, loads of different, and I didn't plan to, to like do this. I didn't think, oh, I'll run the London Marathon. I didn't ever think I'd be capable of, but it's weird going through this journey of falling in love with fitness has taught me so much about business and so much about sales. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me that you, you like the data, bearing in mind what you do. And, and, and that's what you were looking at. It's almost like a friendly distraction from what you were doing. Yeah, It's like, oh, I did two and a half, I'm, I managed five minutes after seven days. Can you imagine if I do that? And you start multiplying and all that. And you're not thinking of the effort and, and what you've got to do to show up and put in. You're just thinking about those those numbers, those metrics. And I think that's it. But you were able to, I think, apply the identity of who you are around about numbers and put it into your personal training program. Because the biggest issue that we have is when we go, I need to sort my health out and get healthy, we start from zero and try and take too big a jump. 
yeah. know, and we go from an all or nothing. But what you perfectly example and then obviously created evidence for is how powerful just showing up each morning and taking small steps, even for those two and a half minutes and allowing that to compound over time that's got you a lifestyle where you're you're doing marathons and half marathons and part ones like probably just on a weekend just for fun now, you know. It's so true. Who even am I? <laughs> How important do you think like having an element of health and fitness is as a business owner? Because I always think success leaves clues, right? And I was always obsessed with talking to, you know, seven figure business owners, people who've grown an empire, really much bigger business owners than me. And I noticed some trends. And one of them was that most people look after their health and, and well-being in that space. And I, I always just think that there must be a reason for that. It's not coincidence. Well, the funny thing is, it's, I believe it's, it's one of the seven highly effective habits of, of, of the successful people is actually that self-care. They don't verbalize it like that. But when you read into the chapter, that's what it's all about. You know, it's so funny. We, we don't leave home without charging our phone. And if we if we did, we're like, oh, my God, it's not going to get me through the day. I'm going to need a charge. And we start panicking and getting overwhelmed. Yet we expect to show up every day without thinking about, did I get enough sleep? Am I fueling my body? You know, have I planned my day? All these bits and pieces that we know will actually make us show up better and perform better. It is the foundation of everything we do. But I do believe that we went through a decade and a bit where we were so marketed to get up at 5am, smash the gym, do this, do one more, be the last man standing, all those stuff. And you think, oh my gosh, I'm doing these things, but I, I must, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not coping. You know, it, it's taken its toll on me. Let me tell you, it takes its toll on pretty much everyone apart from that one, two percent. And they're like ridiculously, insanely, I'm not even going to say fit, but just dedicated to the cause that they're taking body shot after body shot that life gives them and just absorbing it because they're so committed to that end. And it doesn't mean that we're not committed, but I don't believe that you need to put yourself through that to get to where you want to go. But that's what we were marketed to very heavily in the North Mm, Yeah. And uh, like a lot of the listeners who are listening to this podcast are mums who run their own business, sometimes may run it alongside a job. So, you know, time is not there to, I'm sure they'd love to go off to the gym for a couple of hours each day. That'd be the dream. What can you do if you, if you don't have time? Well, you know what? I, I think the thing is, 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 there are lots of conversations you can have around being busy and being effective and, and all those things. But let's just break it down. If you want to add something to your life and, and you know it's going to benefit you, but you just really struggle with the time, whatever it is that you want to do, think about how you can do it within a two-minute window, very much what you did with your running. But say, for example, go, okay, well, I want to exercise. I'm not exercising at all at the moment. And I want to do a 45-minute hit class, but I can't fit that in. Okay, well, 
in my group coaching program called the 100 Club, one of the things I get people doing is starts with 90 seconds a day running on the spot or jumping jack. Now, most people would think, what the hell is 90 seconds going to give me? Well, just be curious. Try it for 30 days. Don't do anything else. So if you're starting at nothing, 90 seconds of running on the spot or jumping jacks, go for 70% effort level each morning. Do it first thing and then just come back and tell me how you're, how you're feeling. Because what you'll find is, I won't go into the science as to why that particular exercise is a really good exercise to start with. But when you start your day off by doing something good and beneficial to your body, mentally, physically, and emotionally, it then is so much easier to be followed by something else that is good for you. And it becomes a domino effect. Now that compounded over time is so big. It's exponential, but you have to start somewhere. And that's where I would start. So small. The first time I spoke to you properly, you told me about the 100 Club and I was just so excited for you because it's such a great idea. And it's almost like how I started getting into running. It's I didn't realise what I was doing, but that is what I was doing, right? Tell people the idea behind the 100 Club and how it was born because I just think it's brilliant. Okay, well, the 100 Club was born by by actually my own sort of training because I think when people think that you're like same with you with sales and things like that, and as a coach, you don't get wobbles or you don't get down days and things like that. We do. We're all human. We all struggle with these ups and downs of life or even life throwing curveballs. And I just found for many years, I sort of got fit and then I ate everything in the fridge and then I sort of got fit and I drank everything in the fridge, you know, and it was like I would just constantly hit a ceiling and self sabotage. And uh, I never found a way that it would give me the consistency that I was looking for. And in return, for me, it was about aesthetics, how I look. I never was quite happy with how I look. I tell myself the story saying, I'm all right. You know, I look okay. I look better than the average guy and all that stuff. And it was only when I was coming up to my 50th birthday that I thought, if I don't do something here, one of the things I promised myself is not to die with any regrets. And I am careful. If I'm not careful, I'm not going to be able to do some of the stuff that I would like to have done to give me that look that I, you know, at least go, there you go, men's health look did it. And that's for me. And, it, you know, some people listening might think that vain, but whatever your goal is, is to keep me healthy. And but I knew that going to the gym three to four times now and then wasn't going to be the one for me. Mm. So I had to look at actually, okay, well, instead of having a now and then sort of approach, why don't I just raise my baseline? Because currently, if I don't go to the gym, it's nothing. But if I do something every day and I allow that to compound over time, but also I'm patient with it. Like most people, I'm like, well, I've been down the gym for three weeks. I should be massive. You know, I should have lost weight. I should be all these things. But actually, just be patient with it and go, this is a lifestyle approach, not a quick fix or a quick win or anything like that. And I decided for my 50th birthday, I was going to do this human flag, and which is where you hold yourself off a pole and fold outward. 
Okay. Wow. It's insane. Now, I've always just been impressed by gymnastics and being able to hold their body strength and things like that. So I put it out on social. I talked about it long enough. And then I ended up putting it out on social because I thought, otherwise, I'm not going to do it. But for me to then show up and be able to do the human flag whilst being told I'm the wrong height and too heavy, I knew that my core needed to be really good, really strong. So I did daily exercises all around that, raised my baseline and allowed that to compound. So by the time I got to three months of doing my human flag, I'd done something like six hours of core exercises on top of the gym and all the other bits. But more importantly, my body shape had changed. And I just started to see, like we talk about those domino effects, I just started to see the ripple it was having in my life. So I got curious and started to apply it to my coaching clients and seeing, because most of these are like, you know, CEOs, super busy, don't have time, that sort of thing, socialize a lot. And I was like, okay, what about if you were to apply the same baseline standard that I've incorporated, what could you get? Is it just me or would you get the result? And it was fascinating just to see the change. I mean, one particular guy who's 10 years younger than me, but at the time when I started coaching him, looked 10 years older than me, massively changed, lost several stone became completely different version but also medically when he got his measures done body fats etc everything had changed just as that ripple effect of that one good behavior you touched upon consistency there and i think this is the biggest problem that business owners have it doesn't matter if it's social media or sending your weekly email out or you know in the gym Keeping that level of consistency is what people struggle with. And they'll they'll do it and they'll see the effects even and then sometimes stop doing it. And I'm like, it was working. It was working. Why did you stop doing it? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? What's your yeah. advice about staying consistent? Well, firstly, I'm going to say I, I feel you because I, I am one of those people as well where I try something and I go, oh, I'm going to change that. Or I start tinkering with it rather than allowing it just to sit and happen and i am getting better at it but i think the thing is with consistency there's there's, there's two things we definitely need patience but we need to put in smaller markers smaller metrics that we can we can literally agree that if it does this i will know that i'm on the right track if it continues to do this i will know it's on the right track but we don't put enough sort of micro milestones in those metrics we sort of go okay well i want to go from a hundred newsletter subscribers to a thousand and then you can go okay well i got 110 today you know and you might go oh god i've still got x amount to go well hang on you've just grown 10 percent. that's phenomenal how can you keep growing at that rate and we all know that if you could grow at 10 percent every week what a phenomenal business you would have in a year's time so i think we just need to sort of agree at the beginning of how we're going to measure something and make sure that there are smaller milestones in there to allow us to keep the faith yeah yeah i totally agree patience i mean 
if I'm completely honest with you, Nick, <laughs> patience has been one of my barriers. I want it. I want it all and I want it. <laughs> and it is something that I've had to learn over time that, you know, you're, you're not going to build a six-figure business overnight. You're not going to get the abs that you want overnight. You're not going to get 10,000 subscribers overnight. And actually, if you did, you probably wouldn't be able to maintain them. So actually, just increasing a tiny bit at a time is a much better way to grow. You know, one of the things that you've said there about, if you, because if, I remember when we opened up a an app and in one of my businesses, and we were like, oh, we're going to get 10,000 people sign up to it. Oh my God, we were nowhere near that number, but thankfully we were nowhere near that number because we had so many technical issues and problems that had we been at that number, we, we, we would have just, we wouldn't have recovered from the bad PR. We just wouldn't have. But whereas the numbers were so small, we were able to manage, <coughs> excuse me, and speak to them individually so that we could really nurture them and help them take them through that process. So, you know, there is a beauty in growing gently. There is a learning in growing gently and also just allowing that patience and reminding yourself, you didn't get to where you are overnight. So it's highly unlikely you're going to get to where you're going overnight. Yeah. You know, so enjoy the journey, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is what I say with sales. Fall in love with the process because you're going to be doing it loads. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I have a, a reminder. I have a tattoo on my arm. Uh, I don't know if you can quite see it there, but it says, focus on your output and not your outcome. You know, we have to, if we want a hundred thousand in sales or million, whatever we're going for, you can't guarantee that because it's not down to you to get that result. But what you can guarantee is if you go, okay, well, to get X amount of number in sales, I know that that takes me 20 calls and I know I need to make 30 calls because only 20 people will pick up out of 30. You, you know, you can do the numbers and work it out. Yeah, That's the bit that you can focus on and can control to get good at that bit. And also I was speaking, you know, when you come outside these tube stations and you've got these young guys and they're trying to get you to sign up for charity and things like that. Yeah. I mean, what a thankless job. They're trying to do something really good. They're trying to raise a profile of some charity that's doing some amazing work and they are getting rebuffed, like, you know, literally all the time. And one particular guy, he came out and I said, I genuinely am late for a meeting. And he said, you'd really help my confidence if you let me speak. I said, okay, let's speak and let's walk. So, and we walked and he did it. And I went, brilliant. And I said, do you feel more confident now? And he went, well, are you going to donate or not? And I said, well, I didn't think that that was a basis of you feeling more confident. You just have to be you know, more competent in saying what you have to say several times. You can feel more confident. And we ended up having a conversation. I said, you are in a tough business. You are in a business of no. So don't be scared of them. Embrace them. But understand that for every hundred no's, you get a one yes. Whatever your number is, and go, yes, there's another no. I'm getting closer to that one yes. You know, and we all go like this. Loads of people are going to say no. 
about your product because for many reasons doesn't mean it's not good doesn't mean they don't like you finding the one thing i is the biggest thing yeah but yeah that's your business if you are in sales you are gonna get no's so embrace them focus on it next next call next next call i'm getting closer we are literally like two peas in a pod because this is what I say to my community all of the time. When I was 21, I started my first business and I didn't have a clue about sales, right? I was a fresh out of drama school. I did drama. I wasn't into sales. I didn't, I just launched my own business because I was 21 and I thought people will buy from me. Of course they will. Wrong. <laughs> so I decided to get really good at sales, but I used to have a chart and I used to draw 10 circles and it was my no chart. And and I was um, selling theatre classes. So I ring up a school and they'd say, no, not interested. Brilliant. Yes. One off the chart. No, not interested. Brilliant. And, you know, eventually, of course, yes. Oh, oh, wow. You're actually interested. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I learned. But I say to my community all the time, there is nobody out there that gets a 100% conversion rate. Mm. So you are going to hear, you're going to hear no more. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. And, and the thing is as well, you know, no one likes rejection. Totally get that. But you can't see it as rejection. It's a no, not now. Yes. You know, and, and, and this is where timing comes in. Think about yourself as a couple. How many times do you say yes to buying stuff? Exactly. You turn people down all the time, but you expect every person that you speak to to say yes. You know, we forget that we're consumers ourselves, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. So, Nick, I audaciously claim these days that sales is easy if you just know how. Talk to me about your experience with sales. Have you found it easy? Well, for many years, I would say I was, I really did not enjoy sales. And I've had business partners before, and I would go, look, I'll do the brand, I'll do making, you know, how the, businesses profiled and everything like you just focus on sales I, I really don't want to get into that and I always shied away from it and it was funny that in one particular business I had an investment company and I still did exactly what I just said there but I was having more and more conversations with potential clients and what I was finding was more of those clients were going okay brilliant I'll, I'll invest you Oh, I, I didn't think we were, I wasn't taking you on this sales process. Well, what do you mean? And I just found that actually just by being me and understanding what it was that they wanted to get from investing any money or, you know, buying any product made it so much easier for me to have those conversations. And then I started eking a bit more into the sales. And like what I do now with my coaching. So two things that I, I really try to do around sales, especially the group coaching, because we have to market ourselves, don't we? We have to say, hey, come and join my thing. It's super awesome. It's going to give you everything you want. Amazing. And it's great value. Love it. Right. And some of those sounds are very faceless sales. They're, they're, they're based on my content. So either like me or not, we've attracted to my offering or not. And that's one of the places that I sit a lot of. So I become a magnet. So I'm going, look, this is what I do. I practice what I teach. If you want your version, 
this is one way of doing it that's super affordable, which is a hundred club. But my one-to-one client coaching, it's a lot more expensive. So there has to be this conversation with someone. And what I start off with, every time that someone's applied to be coached by me, they have to answer some significant questions. So they've already invested some time. So I know that they're serious about what they want to do. And I always start the call by saying, my goal is for me to ask as many questions as I possibly can so I know that I'm the right coach and mentor for you or not. And I would love for your goal to be to ask me as many questions as you possibly need so you also can find out whether you feel I'm the right coach and mentor for you or not. And then I get to a point after we've had a conversation and I will say, okay, I've got my answer to my goal now. Where are you with your goal? You know, and I would say, I feel I am, or in certain cases, I feel I'm not. And then they would go, yeah, I feel that you are. Brilliant. And I go, this is how I work. I either do this or do this. Now, they're two different financial commitments. And I say, take the money out for one moment. Where do you think you're going to get the most amount of value working with me, either at that level or that level? And they say, that level. Say, brilliant. I'm going to send you a payment link. Once we do that, we're booking your first session. And I take that. And I have hardly ever had to get to a point where I'm going, but, it, but I'm great. And you'll love it. And it's going to be amazing. And yeah, yeah come on. You yeah. Know, because again, you have to get good at a process. But also, you only get confident at a process when you repeat that process. Mm. So it's really important for anyone listening to even role play and understand what questions you're going to ask people, what process you're going to take them from, so you can get so competent at it, you're not worried about it. And and any difficult question that someone asks you, write it down and get really good at answering it, because undoubtedly someone else will ask you that question as well. And then you won't get scared of those sort of questions that you may have when you when you get to this moment. You've absolutely hit the nail on the sales head there because it's just all about having a process that works for you. And when you do, you don't have to sell to people because actually they sell it to themselves if it's right for them. Well, my, what I was always told, I say always, sorry, in the last few years, it re- I really heard it, but I'd been told it before was the job of selling is when you when you show the value mm. the sale is just a closing of that agreement yeah. there shouldn't be any sort of high pressure or anything like that because you've already matched what they think is value and what you think is value and once that's aligned then it just becomes the close you know and let's do this and when I really learn about that repetition of the process, I'm, I'm a golfer. And to put it into that context, when you see professional golfers, they have a pre-shot routine. Every time they line up to hit a shot, they have a pre-shot routine because every shot is unique. So they have to make it feel as comfortable so they are as confident 
as possible that they're going to be able to hit that shot. Because there's loads of 150-yard shots before, but this one is the only one that counts right now. Yeah. So they try and familiarize, us, familiarize themselves by having a pre-shot routine. And, you know, that's what you can do. If you're going to go into sales calls, have that pre-shot routine. So when you get onto a sales call, you're already feeling a certain way and you know which way you're going to take them as well. I absolutely love that. Nick, thank you so much. I have one last question for you. If you were to give your old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Okay. Well, I'll be honest, I find this question quite funny because I think if we're all obvious, my old self wouldn't listen anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking my listeners might listen. Well, what I would, what I would, can I spin it? And the reason I, I spin it is because what do you want your future self saying to you? Is it thank you or what happened? Because the thing is, actually, we can't really do much about where we come from and how we got there, but we can certainly do a lot more about where we're going. So I would rather be working on making sure that I meet my future self and the one that I want to see rather than trying to re-educate someone who at the time was having so much fun and I probably wouldn't listen anyway. I love it. Nick, you've been amazing. Tell people who are listening, where can they find you if they want to come and connect? Uh, The easiest place is on Instagram or Facebook or even my website and just look up nickbeamlecoach.com. You'll find me there. Fabulous. And I will drop all of your links in my show notes. Thank you. You've been amazing. Thank you. I love the energy. Awesome.